What's up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada Athletics, episode 144. I am your host, Matt Hannifin. I'm here with my host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, once again with Spring Sports, we got a lot to get to. First off, let's lead off with Nicole Otter, qualified for the NCAA Indoor Championships, which will be held in Fayetteville, Arkansas, on March 11th. This is her third time making the NCAA Indoor Championships in her career, and this is her first time she made it in the pentathlon. She was one of the 16 qualifying members to make it. Isaiah, you talked about it last week and how she's building up her resume is becoming, I mean, she's solidified herself as one of the best athletes to ever step foot on this campus. She's now a six-time All-American. Um, again, third time making these NCAA Indoor National Championships. I mean, what she's done up to this point has been simply remarkable. Yeah. No, you hit it on the head. I mean, what more can you say about her and her skill set and what she's brought to this university? Obviously, you and I and the rest of the university are wishing her nothing but the best of luck. And Absolutely. She's going to do it. And also on top of that, just another shout-out, Pack Center shout-out to Donna DiPolo as well because a scratch also placed her in the NCAA tournament as well in the 100- and 200-meter breaststroke. So being a Reno high graduate well being a bishop Monroe graduate and arena local shout out to dono DePolo as well from the nevada swim and dive team so just having two all-stars two absolute studs from the university representing bigger and better things so i'm really excited i think that they'll both succeed and donna's got two more years left as well so it's just exciting yeah awesome yeah. times spring sports are here baby also finally. with with otter she became the second Wolfpack woman in history to ever participate in the national championships for the pentathlon. Um, the last one was Miranda Brownson in 2004. So another thing to add to the history books. Yeah, I mean, what both of them are doing right now are just simply spectacular, and obviously we're going to wish them nothing but the best of luck going forward. All right, let's get into this weekly spring sports recap. That's what we're going to call it from now on, the weekly we- spring sports recap. So let's just dive right into it with women's basketball. I know we touched on it last podcast, but we talked about just one win in this two-game series against Air Force would secure a first-round bye in the Mountain West Conference Tournament for the women's basketball team. And guess what? They did it. Game one, got it right out of the way. 59-56 victory over Air Force yesterday. Big win all around in more ways than one because it also signified the 100th career victory at Nevada for Coach Amanda Levins. I mean, considering the pieces she's had to pick up these past couple years, just a great all-around season no matter what throughout the trials and tribulations for this year. And for them to clinch a first-round buy into this tournament, they're now at 12-8 and overall, 8-7 and in conference. They've just been battling you know they've obviously had their struggles throughout points in the year but we've seen so many high points as well and now we're starting to see them play some of their best basketball and they're rolling right now so it's been big and obviously they got a game today but just catching up on last yesterday's game I keep wanting to say last night but it wasn't last night it was yesterday Nia Alexander poured in a team high 20 points Deja Hamilton had 12 and Megan Ormiston had 10 But obviously, when you hold Air Force to 56 points on the day, it's a lot to do with the defense. Held Air Force to 36.8% shooting and 27% shooting from the three-point line. And just shows how poorly Air Force shot the ball. And in a lot of ways, just credit to the pack defense for taking care of business against one of the lower-ranked opponents in conference. But now full things ahead, you know, full steam ahead for the Wolfpack and this team's rolling right now, and no matter what happens today against Air Force, they've clinched their spot, and congratulations. I think this team should not be overlooked in any way whatsoever, considering the brand of basketball they're playing right now, so there's something to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, so for you mentioned that they clinched the first round by. For the Mountain West women's basketball, it the top six seeds, We'll clinch first round by so Nevada will be playing the three seed in the first round. Right now that's UNLV. That could change. It's right now UNLV's thirteen and five. The team above them is New Mexico at nine and three. And then the team below them is Fresno State at twelve and six. So Fresno State could sneak into that final spot. But right now it's UNLV, so that'd be a fun little storyline. Nevada versus UNLV in the 
first round of the women's basketball Northwest tournament. Oh, definitely. Having that in-state rival in the tournament to start it all off. I mean, you can't can't really get much better than that. And just considering how well the Wolfpack are playing to this point, I would not count them out. Do not think that the sixth seed is some sort of lowly seeding or anything like that. Because the way they're playing right now, they're giving every team their best shot, and they shouldn't be overlooked by any means. Transitioning into Nevada baseball, they didn't perform that very well. They went one and three since the last time we talked on this podcast, and are now four and four in the year. But there are still a couple high points that we can mention. So, just starting it off with the UNLV series, they got swept in a doubleheader, losing the games three to two and eight to three. Very, very kind of tough to swallow you know being a conference opponent so early on in the year but especially to your in-state rival but UNLV these past three four years have put together some serious talent so they are one of the top dogs in the conference for a reason so much credit to them but losing three to two I mean UNLV just jumped out to an early two and a two to nothing lead Nevada's bats couldn't really battle you know couldn't really find much rhythm throughout the course of the game and really took away a strong pitching performance so that is what it is. Heading into game two, losing eight to three. Just UNLV jumped out to an early lead in the first five frames. And once again, Nevada's offense, combined with much less stellar pitching on the day, just couldn't really recap and get much magic back. So in a lot of ways. Yeah, but they just, made up for that in the, in the third and final game. Yeah, obviously with the six to one win. That was just the trio, you know, well, really the duo between Owen Schartz and Shane Gustafson. I know we talked about a little bit of concerns just how many runners Owen Schartz led or like allowed allowed thank you led on base his first start not in the hit category but more in the walks and struggling with his command but this time around in his second start absolutely lights out just giving up a one hitter over six innings was so spectacular and Shane Gustafson just putting together another solid outing in relief I think we're really starting to see this Nevada pitching staff come together and I think once you're starting to see the top three of the Wolfpack's batting order with Josh Zamora, Tyler Bersetti, and Dylan Shrum. When they start getting the bats going, I think combined with this pitching performance, you're going to start seeing high points, and that showed up with the 6-1 to win. They went 7-14 to seven for 14 at the plate, three RBIs, two doubles. So getting those extra base hits, getting on base, just keeping the innings alive and just keeping the bats alive in a lot of ways is big for what Nevada's doing right now. So obviously going 1-3 and three is not what you want to see, but... I mean, at this point, it's still early on. They're 4-4 four and four in the year and still early. And I think you're still starting to see some high points, not only on the pitching side, but more as the offense has started to click throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bats were also going into what happened Tuesday versus Arizona State. They lost 13-4. to four. I mean, the bats were, weren't super alive for much of the game. It was mostly just the pitching woes um, late in the game. And, of course, the Arizona bats coming alive. I mean, Nevada lost the game 13-4. Um, it was tied at three, heading into the bottom of the sixth inning. Arizona played three runs in the sixth, four in the seventh, and then uh, two two more in the eighth. And so all around there, it wasn't, wasn't the prettiest of performances. It looks a lot worse than it was for at least the first two-thirds of the game, half the game. It's through five and a half innings, so. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the high points, or at least something you could take away, is Nevada's getting some serious non-conference competition to this point in the year. I mean, ASU, ASU hosted the number one pick in the 2020 MLB draft last year in Spencer Torkelson, and they have a steady, steady class of MLB draftees year in, year out, because that's the type of program they are. So getting that type of experience early on in the year can really speak volumes to how they can perform come conference play. And once again, getting those licks you could say against your in-state rival this early on in the year against a conference opponent is something you can really take note of and I think there were some strong performances throughout the year thus far so I think there's some momentum it can carry I I think already to this point the team's performed better than they did during that 2020 shortened season on both sides of the field absolutely no question at this point I just think it's all about trying to string together one one win stack it up into two and obviously if you can go on a potential win streak or sweep a series or anything like that, things like that can just build so much confidence and camaraderie within the team that all of a sudden you're playing your best brand of baseball before you even head into conference play. So it's a very long season, but I think we're seeing some high points and obviously some low points to focus on. Yeah, and then transitioning from – you made a lot of good points there. 
especially with the Arizona State and how tough of a competitor they've been um, over these last several several years with Torkelson. I mean, again, I know he's not there anymore, but they still have a bevy of talent coming in. And then they'll be facing, I believe, Texas Tech in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, another pretty solid program. Transitioning into softball, Nevada had some ebbs and flows throughout the weekend. They We talked about it last week. They faced they had a two-day doubleheader against Pacific and Idaho State. They lost the two games at Idaho State 7-0 and then 12-6. or twelve to six. And then took the two games against Pacific 8-4 to four in the final game in extra innings and then 4-0 to zero in the second game of the series. Um, there were some ebbs and flows throughout the weekend. The bats were pretty solid, it, except in the first Idaho State game where they just had four hits. Um, Julia Jensen had a rough kind of start for Nevada, and then Fritz wasn't didn't necessarily perform well. But then again, Fritz had a complete game, a, a complete gamer in the final game of the series. So the bats were kind of alive. It was kind of here and there. Lauren Gutierrez had a pretty good weekend. Sadrian McAllister had a good weekend. Trila Sanini had a pretty solid weekend. Sierra Mello had a pretty good weekend. So, I mean, the bats were alive, especially in those latter two games, or in those those games against Pacific, and then in the second game against Idaho State. But, I mean, I guess the pitching really stands out to me. And I mean, the pitching against Idaho State was not good. <laughs> no, not whatsoever. But... As we've talked about, you know, heading into the last podcast, too, it seems like the bats have really saved some poor pitching performances to this point in the season. So just having that type of offensive firepower throughout the lineup is something to really take note of. And as you touched on, I mean, Nevada softball's performing, doing really well, 9-5 and five on the year right now. It's a 643 win percentage thus far, and they're performing well in non-conference play, and I think this will continue. And I really do think... With the amount of innings Fritz is going to log this season and with so many other contributors in the circle, it's going to be, I think the pitching will kind of wane itself out. I think that's one of the early type of adjustments the team has to make as a whole, but you're seeing a complete performance and an absolute, just kind of like a firepower, fire show going on offensively. So the bats are really clicking in a lot of ways and there's a lot of optimism growing around that program right now. I just completely brushed over the fact that Blake Kraft threw seven shutout innings in the first game against Pacific so I mean that if you want to talk about rough pitching performances and leave I mean that obviously wasn't the rough one that was the best one of the weekend but Nevada did have a couple clunkers in there yeah it's just something to take note of but listen Nevada has starter caliber stuff in so many other areas and they have the players to log a ton of innings and with this with the way the offense has been clicking and the way the bats are performing to this point in the season I really do think they're you know, the, their strong start to the season will continue. Now, kind of heading into Nevada Volleyball, I know we've talked about some ebbs and flows going on throughout spring sports thus far. Nevada Volleyball <laughs> is pure optimism. And right. congratulations to them. They swept SDSU over the weekend. This was the first two wins against SDSU on the road in program history. So yep. shout out Nevada Volleyball. So they won the final three sets in the first match, and then they swept the Aztecs in straight sets in the second contest, 25-21, 25-22, and 25-13. So Nevada did begin the year 0-4 to start the season, but now they've won three of the last four contests. You're seeing, as we talked about in the last podcast, that it was still kind of early in the year, and there's a lot of you know, talent and depth to this program. So I think you're starting to see it all kind of come together. And with two big wins over SDSU on the road, I mean, at this point, you got to carry that momentum and whatever you got going forward, I would say. Yeah, they finished the road trip against San Jose State this weekend they, where they're currently in the middle of a four-game road trip. They face San Diego or San Jose State uh, Friday and Saturday, both at 1 p.m. And then transitioning into track and field, Nevada got first place in the first outdoor competition of the season. Um, it was highlighted by... Emily Costello and Raven Elaney, who were the Mountain West Track and Field Athletes of the Week. Costello finished first in the 400-meter dash with a time of 55 seconds and 30 milliseconds, a personal best mark. And then Analey placed first in the triple jump. Nevada had four top four finishes in the long jump this weekend and then had one more goal place or had one more first place finish in the women's high jump with Alicia Pulaski. She got... She jumped 1.65 meters high. It's pretty high. Can you calculate that? 
Oh, yeah, I mean, it? like how many feet that is? Yeah. I got you. Just curiosity. I mean, that is... Oh, I was going to have you guess, but you, if you want to... I mean, I don't want to sound dumb. I don't want to give her a disservice. I mean, that's 5.1 feet. Yeah. It's taller than you. <laughs> I'm just... I'm, I'm just kidding. How tall are you? I, uh, you? You're definitely taller than 5'1", but I just... I don't know why I threw that in there. I, I'm taller than 5'4". I, I, can I call myself 5'7"? Maybe 5'8"? I think 5'8's pushing it. You're not 5'8". Okay, thank you. For, I mean, the viewer, the listeners don't know how tall you are, so that's kind of. But you're not. Fine. You know, that was a, that was a chance to. I'm. I mean, really put myself out there. I would say just, just by standing next to you, if I can recall, you're probably like five six. Okay, because you're like six foot. I'm definitely five eleven. Definitely. I mean, just give yourself the extra inch. It's okay. Should I? Yeah, you should. It's not that big a deal. I mean, honestly. But anyways, it just shows how tall, how high <laughs> she jumped. Yeah, Absolutely right. bananas. Yeah, as a freshman, too. Bananas. But again, Nevada got first place in the first outdoor term- tournament of the year. Mm-hmm. Men's tennis split a couple games over the weekend. They lost 4-0 to to Fresno State on Saturday. Followed it up with a 4-0 to victory over Azuna Pacific. And that leads us into women's golf, <clears throat> who finished 10th in the 11-team field at the Gunrock Invitational. As a team, they finished 35 over par. Stanford won the title, who finished 26 under par. That is so impressive, and 14 shots better than the runner-up. So Stanford dominated that event, and it just kind of showed the type of competition Nevada faced in this tournament. Okay, now that we recapped everything, uh, we're going to go into some Nevada basketball first. We're going to take a quick break. And we are back. Um, we're going to be talking about Nevada basketball and their tournament hopes. But first, let's recap this weekend. It was not a good weekend. Um, we talked about it last week. Nevada was nearly off for three weeks after a couple of series postponements. They come back on the road against Utah State, one of the best teams in the conference. And I mean, the first game was a little deceptive. Nevada made Nevada was down 21 at one point, came back near the end, almost pulled it out, but they couldn't tie it or take the lead. In the waning moments of the game, they lost 75-72. And then in the second game, they just got just trounced. Um, lost 87-66. Nemius Keita, who we talked about last week as one of the best players in the conference, had himself quite the series. I'm here in Mountain West Player of the Week. Um, in the first game, he had 16 points, 17 rebounds, three blocks. and honestly felt like he had more than three blocks. And then in the second game, he had 26 points, 13 rebounds. He's now has four straight double doubles on the season. Of course, he was coming off that thirty and ten performance against Boise State. He's been tremendous all year. Nevada did not look good. I mean, Grant had a very rough series. Um, Desmond looked like the best player this series. At least I would say he was the best player. I mean, in the second game, no one was really super great, nor no one stood out. Um, but Grant, especially in the first game, was hitting shot after shot. When Nevada needed shots to be made, because there was times where Nevada's offense was pretty stagnant, <clears throat> and they just couldn't get shots to fall because Utah State is as they were one of the best teams in the conference, but they're also one of the best defenses in the conference. And Grant had a difficult time. He just couldn't. He did not look like he was in a rhythm at all this weekend. Of course, he had Marco Anthony lined up against him most of the game. He's a former Virginia transfer. If you know anything about Virginia and their basketball program. Tony Bennett like instills defense in you. They're gonna they're gonna defend, and so just having that, along with the fact that Nevada is also going up against Justin Bean, very good defender, and then our, then I would say the defensive player of the year in in Kata, who was tremendous this week. Yeah. So it uh, was a it was a really tough series, and they honestly looked like a team that hadn't played in three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Which is right. what they, which is really what happened. Like I mean. That's, I guess, to put it bluntly, that's in, that's the evaluation. Like, how did they play this weekend? Well, they looked like the team that hadn't played basketball in three weeks. Yeah, especially, and they looked like the team that just looked a little bit overmatched. And to their credit, Utah State, wow. I mean, they performed like one of the best teams in the conference on both sides of the ball. And to their credit, I mean, that team is so well-rounded and very versatile. And they can hit you with a lot of different ways and a lot of different angles. Just a very, very unique and well-structured team. I think it really showed against Nevada. And like you said, in that potential, you know, Mountain West Player of the Year type of hype 
type of contest between Kata and Sherfield. Kata took the cake and much more. I mean, he just absolutely dominated the event. Let's talk about that for a little bit. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember after which series. I think, no, it was the Boise State series. It was. Do you think that Sherfield, with the games missed as a team, plus the fact that he just wasn't performing well in these last two games, do you think he even has a chance at winning Mountain West Player of the Year now? No, I don't really think he does. And I'm not trying to say he won't get votes because I think he will get some deserving votes. But we even talked about that in depth after that Boise State series. And I think you and I both agreed that it was still going to be so hard for Grant to win the award because a lot of the times, and for good reason, it goes to the best player on the best team in the conference. And not only has that really shown now with Kata and even Derek Alston Jr. still performing at such a high level for Boise State, but now, like you said, Grant's not putting up those eye-popping numbers anymore like he did in that Boise State series. And he's returned back to earth a little bit and hasn't been playing his best basketball, and now coupled with the losses and the missed games, a lot of it's out of Grant's hands, and a lot of it just hasn't really gone back in his favor. And I think that's only solidified the case for Kata, I would say at this point. I think you can really mail it in for him, but I'm not trying to make any certainties or anything like that, but just after what he did against Nevada and what he's been able to put together these past four games offensively, along with what you said, his defensive impact and his just overall presence on the floor, it just speaks testaments to how good he's been this year. And those were the type of competitors that Grant faced, Grant has come up against. And for him to even be able to kind of compete with them, like you said, like we both talked about, Nevada number one has to secure a high seed and he has to continue just scoring and playing out of his mind. And None of those things have happened. Nope. I mean, how do you feel about that to this point? I'd love to hear your perspective. No, I agree. I mean, we talk about the best player on the best team and – I don't even know if it, it'll be like that this year because what San Diego State has done, um, they simply just dominated lately, like sneakily, like we haven't even like discussed that at all. Um, I don't know if Mitchell will be in that conversation. He might. David Roddy's another name to keep an eye on. Isaiah Stevens, who, I mean, they're for Colorado State. We'll talk about, we'll talk about that um, or talk about them in a little bit. But I, I, I want to say it's Kata. I don't think Sherfield has much of an opportunity anymore, especially with just one regular season game left. Do they put these votes? Uh, I have a question because I generally don't know this. Do they vote before the Mountain West tournament? I think they do. Okay. I'm almost certain their ballots are coming out. And... Okay. So, I mean, I don't think the votes are going to be released until after. No. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're. I think the votes are in before the Mountain West tournament, and if it's before the Mountain West tournament, then I don't think Sherfield has much of a chance. I mean, what we saw from Sherfield this weekend. He just wasn't making shots. He had 11 points on four of 13 shooting in the first game and then had a season-low six points on two of eight shooting. Again, just could not find a rhythm. Um, Desmond, again, as I said, probably was our best player this weekend. He had 23 points in the first game, 13 in the second. Another, I guess, kind of transitioning into a high point of this last weekend, Trey Coleman. Um, He had two back-to-back double-digit performances. He shot 70% from three. Um, I believe he was 3 of 4 in the first game, and then he had a season-high four threes on six attempts in the second game. And so, I mean, he's looking more and more confident out there, as we've talked about, as the season's gone on. Other than that, there wasn't a lot of bright spots this weekend. No, definitely. And I hate harping back to the future of what this Wolfpack program is, but fellow Pack Center, basically co-founder and, you know, former host... Austin Paschke, I thought he kind of hit the nail on the head with the tweet he sent one night. He said, is anyone else, is any other like Nevada basketball fan just looking forward to 2021? And I think that was in part to just seeing some of the young talent on display against Utah State that's been performing to this point. And Trey Coleman is going to be one of those key pieces. And gosh, if he continues to develop that offensive game, he's going to be scary. Because the way he was shooting with confidence against the Aggies, that's something that I really want to see more of. I want to see him be more tentative and be more aggressive offensively with the ball in his hands, and I think he has the ability to do so. Yeah, he's a big catch-and-shoot threat, especially from those two corners. Definitely. I mean, just coupled with his, obviously, we've we've gone on and on about his defensive instincts and his ability to just guard multiple positions on the perimeter, become one of our best perimeter defenders on the team as a true freshman. I mean, the sky's the limit for this team, and 
for him in particular, I just, like you said, he was one of the real high points and what was a real, you know, kind of outmatched, outplayed, and simply just, you know, not even getting our feet under us in those two games against Utah State. Do you think we beat Colorado? Let's talk about Colorado State a little bit before we get into some of the bigger questions that we want to talk about. Nevada has one game tomorrow night. We're recording this on Thursday. One game tomorrow night against Colorado State, 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Um, it's our final home game of the season. Nevada's been much better at home than they have been on the road. They're 5-7 and seven on the road, and they're, I believe, 8-2 and two at home. Fact-check me there. Um, and so Nevada has an opportunity to kind of take away another quad two win. I mean, Nevada's, I believe, as of today, as of today, they were, I believe, three and five in quad one or two games this season. I mean, they had the extra quad three win because of, I think, Nebraska moving up in the quad rankings. And then, of course, they got the two against Boise State, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Had did not help Nevada's chances at a tournament bid. Thanks, but Boise they State. have a chance. They have a chance to get another quad two win at home. Do you think we're going to be able to squeak that out? <sighs> Like By the way, said, Carl, Isaiah just flew yeah. up. Nevada's nine and two at home. Nine and two at home. So you're you're very close, but just another win in their regard. And oh, uh, I'm I'm going back and forth between that contest against Colorado State because the one thing that doesn't just pull me in favor of Colorado State is just how well we've performed at home to this point. And I just think, considering how poorly, you know, just getting our feet back under us against a really good team in Utah State, I think we're gonna just barely squeak it out. I, I expect it to be something. No more than a seven, you know, six, seven point deficit or like victory moment. margin. Yeah, margin of victory. Thank you. Margin of victory. <clears throat> margin of victory for Nevada. I just see them barely squeaking it out and ending this regular season on a high note, heading into postseason play. But, you know, I don't really have many statistics to back that up because, in a lot of facets, Colorado State, as you said and previously mentioned, just been very solid, been very good throughout the course of the year. They have a couple. Mountain West Player of the Year candidates as well that we'll get into, and they're a scary bunch. Yeah, Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy. David Roddy has been wow otherworldly as a freshman this year. He's averaging 16 a game. He's averaging nine and a half rebounds. Um, last in last night's game, I mean, Fresno. This is also something to take in mind. Colorado State. This is going to be their third game in five days. They had played, I believe, Fresno State last night, and then New Mexico on Monday or at least they played them this week. They won both those games, obviously, but just the third game in five days, just the fatigue aspect of it could potentially work in Nevada's favor, plus the altitude um, that Reno's at. I mean, I know it's not, like, the highest elevation, but it is high. Yeah, it's something to take note of for sure. Right. And so David Roddy's been otherworldly this year. I mean, he last night he had, I believe, it was like 12 points 14 rebounds and a career high nine assists. Like he's been insane this year. And then Isaiah Stevens has also been one of the best distributors in the conference, and he's averaging 15 a game with like six, seven assists. And so he's been also very good this year. Adam Thistlewood had like 27 points last night. He's averaging 10 a game. So they have some they have some pretty quality pieces like Nevada, and they've been good defensively this year. But it's mostly just been just their supreme offense. And I mean. David Roddy is averaging nine rebounds a game. That's more than any other Nevada player, and he's six five. That's crazy. Yeah, no, he's, he's he's built like a linebacker. I was gonna say that dude is chiseled. I mean, he's built, and he he can do it all on the floor. He is. I mean, I know we talk about the future in Nevada. Not a great shooter, but he's still been def- very effective in the paint, and he's been just a very effective player for that Colorado State team this year. Oh, definitely. And Colorado State, I mean, they got a bright future ahead of them too, but they have postseason sites as well. I mean, they are a team that you cannot overlook. I know we don't. I I know we haven't talked about them a lot on this podcast because we haven't played them to this point. But, I mean, they're up there at this point with, you know, some of the upper echelon teams in the conference, and they can compete with the best of them. So this is going to be a very exciting and, you know, just enticing matchup in a lot of ways. Right now, the Mountain West standings are a little deceiving. Colorado State is second in the conference. If you were to look that up right now, 
they would be tied for first. San Diego State and last night's win versus UNLV clinched the Mountain West regular season title because two games against New Mexico, I believe, forfeited into San Diego State's favor, which hasn't updated yet, if I can recall correctly. So they're going to be, I believe, 16-3 and in conference. San Diego State is. And then Colorado State's 14-3. and Utah State, is, Utah State is a game back of them, of Colorado State. And then Boise State is one and a half games back of Colorado State for the second place spot and so right now nevada would be facing boise state in that four or five game but yeah i don't think we've we haven't really talked a lot about colorado state this year no they're under the radar for a lot of reasons but i don't even know if they're under the radar anymore maybe on this podcast i was trying to say like in this podcast they are certainly not under under the radar or underrated by any means in terms of the conference as a whole because offensive firepower tons of it they're going to be a wild bunch, and it's just going to be such an interesting way to see how we match up against them to close out this regular season. Also, we have to factor in Zane Meeks was out this last week with a knee injury. He didn't play in the two games versus Utah State. Utah State. I'm, I just blanked for a second. Um, but if we, I don't know if we'll see him this week. I mean, it's, it was kind of weird because he suffered the knee injury a couple weeks ago, was out for that Wyoming series, came back for the home series versus UNLV and Boise State, Nevada performed well then. And then Nevada, of course, had the three-week, near three-week hiatus. He doesn't play because of the knee injury. And it was kind of like unreported until one of uh, one of fans asked Chris Murray what was going on. He was like, oh, yeah, it was the knee injury kind of like spiked up again. Or at least that's paraphrasing it, but it, he was held out because of that knee injury. If Nevada gets him back... I could see us being Colorado State. But just without his presence, Nevada's missing that floor spacer, which I think they kind of desperately missed versus Utah State because, I mean, whether Zane is playing the four or the five, he could bring out either Bean or Kata. Kind of opens up everything for Nevada in terms of driving lanes and getting to the paint with better efficiency if just that threat of Meeks being out there because, I mean, he's a respectable three-point shooter. Oh, def- <clears throat> oh, definitely. I mean, I think you hit. I think his impact throughout the course of this season has not gone unnoticed because, just like you mentioned, the ability to stretch the floor, give us more versatile offensive, you know, versatility and just more options at that end of the floor. And rebounding. And rebounding. Thank you. The kid's been crashing the glass. He's gotten bigger and stronger, and we need him. And for a team like Colorado State, it looks to be a high scoring affair, so you need to match. You know, tip for tat, scoring for scoring. So having Meeks out there as another viable option can only help you. <laughs> and we just need someone to box out Roddy. <laughs> Please, Lord, do that. <laughs> yeah, but like we like I, we missed him as a floor spacer and as a rebounder this last week. I mean, Utah State had 13, 14 offensive rebounds in the second game alone. Yeah, they dominated the glass both like, games. Of course, we're not going to be facing Nemius Keda again, but there's still that threat, or there's still that part of the game that Nevada has to secure because, I mean, you can't allow these second possessions. You just can't. And, or these second, yeah, these second possessions. You just can't allow them. And Zane impacts the game in more ways than just one. I mean, he hasn't been a terrible defender this year. I mean, I know Nevada's had front court troubles and with fouls, but I don't think he's been a terrible defender, at least down low when he's in the post. He's been a much better rebounder this year than he was last. He's been still a good shooter. I mean, that's carried over to this year. And so he's impacting the game games in more ways than just one, and I think Nevada just needs that presence on the field instead of, like, another K.J. Himes. I mean, no disrespect to K.J. Himes, but, like, playing him and Warren at the same time just doesn't open up the rest of the offense like it does with Zane and Warren. Totally with you. No, you, you made several valid points there and just shows what we need to do, what – Meeks brings to the table for us on both ends of the floor. And so, I, th- yeah, I agree there. And I think if we get him this weekend, again, we have no idea if he's going to be able to play. I think Alfred had a quote the other day where it was, it was I think it was after the game, or it was after the game, or it was in his Monday presser that we may not see Zane the rest of the season, which is kind of concerning because it's like, I don't know if Nevada can make a run let a- this game, let alone the Mountain West tournament, if we don't have Zane there. 
because Nevada's going to have to, we can talk about this, we can kind of transition to this now, but Nevada's going to have to go through a gauntlet of teams to win the Mountain West tournament. Oh, definitely. They're going to have their work cut out for them. And I mean, as we've talked about, they do play up to their competition in so many ways, but I mean, this break in the action combined with just not looking, you know, in basketball shape last night, you know, last time against Utah State, it's just going to bring some concerns considering just how good the the rest of the upper echelon teams in the Mountain West Conference are. And I just think we need we need as much as we can get. We need all the kind of breaks and action we can get. And just finding that type of rhythm, getting it back, heading into the biggest tournament of the year for us specifically because this at this point could be all we have. Yeah, just, in, just the end of regular season on the high point. Score prediction, Colorado State. Uh, life depends on it. I'm, yeah, we don't have to go life depends on it, but <laughs> score prediction. Let's say hypothetically Zane does play. Hypothetically Zane plays. I'm going to go who 79-73 Nevada. Wow. Yeah, high scoring affair. Barely squeaks it out. But, I mean, like I said, throw all statistics out the window. I'm just going with straight up gut kind of instinct and just you know feeling optimistic that nevada can rebound and close the regular season on a high note throwing statistics out the window are we a no number pod i'm an I, i'm a numbers guy oh, oh no 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 we love we love statistics here but i'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying for this particular reason just throw all logic out the window isaiah bros not a number guy i'm not. just kidding um Let's talk. Let's transition a little bit of that. I mean, we're probably going to do a pod next week, breaking down Nevada's road to the Mountain West title if they can somehow um, win it. But Nevada, right now, as of right now, um, of course, they have one more game this weekend. Utah State has two more. Boise State doesn't have any. Can Nevada, right? So, as of right now, Nevada will face Boise State in that four or five game on March 11th. They get the first round by. Um, which probably help, which helps them, obviously with like rest and everything. But Nevada gets that first round by. They face Boise State in that first game. Do you think Nevada, as of right now, like do you think that's Nevada's most ideal opponent between them, Colorado State and Utah State? I would say since we haven't seen the matchup with Colorado State yet, yet yes, considering just how well we performed against Boise State with the sweep, but. By no means are I would consider Boise State ideal. Because, I don't think any of them are ideal. Yeah. I, 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 the most ideal can still not be ideal. Yes. So at, at that point, just considering, you know, if you ask me this question again next week, just considering to see how Nevada matches up with Colorado State, I may change my answer. But for right now, I would say yes, Boise State is the ideal opponent. But like you said, by no means is that like, yes, we're playing Boise State because they have a bunch of offensive weapons led by Derek Alston Jr. and Chip on their shoulder for losing yes, two games at Nevada. I was going to say, I think, I think you're not expecting them to come out flat in a lot of ways and not shoot the ball as poorly as they did those two games. So yeah. just something to really come out and expect. But at this point, yes, I, we do match up with them a little bit better in terms of some aspects and especially just seeing how Utah State absolutely dismantled us in a lot of ways. So. Do you think Nevada's going to face Boise State? Prediction. I do think so. Okay. I think Utah – I do – I agree. I think Utah State's going to take care of those two games. They face Wyoming and then another team I can't remember off the top of my head who. Um, but there, it's a it's a lower half of the team in the Mountain West. I don't think Utah State's going to have any problem. They're a half game ahead of Boise State right now. So all you got to do is win one of those and you clinch that third spot or at least a top three spot. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm glad we agree on that aspect. Yeah, Utah State's good, man. I don't think Nevada wants to face them again. No way, especially first round. Warren Washington looked gassed just throughout those two games. Probably some of it's to do with altitude, but also at the same time just bodying up with Keita, just back and forth. I mean, I think they talked about it in the second game of the broadcast. They were just like, yeah, man, like Warren Washington just looks exhausted out there. And he did. I mean – Warren didn't look like himself out there. Warren's been very good this year. At least he's been lived up to the expectations that we kind of put on him. And I think I had him as like a 10.8 rebound guy and a potential double-double. I mean, I know he hasn't gotten there, but he's been he's played very well, especially in the second half of the season. But he, he did not look great. 
against Kata. I don't think a lot of bigs have looked great against Kata throughout this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't just, think we want that matchup again. I just don't want to see that returned so early on in the tournament. So, just fingers crossed for Boise State and hope Utah State takes care of business on their end. Yeah. Yeah, do you think Nevada can, I mean, again, we'll get into this more next week, but do you think Nevada can potentially make a run? Because we talked about it this year. If Nevada's playing their game, they can beat anyone in the Mountain West. That obviously didn't happen this last week, and that shouldn't deter away from what we've done for an entire season's body of work. But I, yeah. do you think that we can make a potential Mountain West yeah, I run? Yeah, I certainly think we can. It's just weird. I know we'll get into this more next week once everything's more solidified and we know for certain who we're facing. But like you said, no matter what, it's going to be a gauntlet. I just hate having this, like, recency bias in my head. Just, yeah. like, all that's in my head is this Utah, Utah State. State series. And it, like you said, it takes away from just how well we performed up until that point before the cancellation, before the postponements and all these games that put us out of action. I mean, at that point, if you would have told me at that point, I would have said yes with, with no hesitation, with full certainty saying, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we have a serious chance at just competing. Just got the sour taste in your mouth? These Yes, these last couple losses and now – you know, just going up against Colorado State, no matter what amount of optimism you can have, it just always kind of puts that seed of doubt in. But I'm going to throw all that away right now yeah. and just get that out of the way because I think you and I have seen just what this team is capable of and how high of a level they play up to their competition against the upper echelon teams in the conference. And This team is sneaky. It's like sneaky. it's but They've they been good. Like, they that's play what I'm hard. saying. Like, they play so hard. I think that type of gritty style and intensity and tenacity on both ends of the floor really will bode well in tournament play because it can catch some teams off guard. And I think if we keep that and get our feet under us, and I think this game against Colorado State is so crucial in that regard just to see if just we can an, get back yeah. and get fresh. If we show that and we get that win against Colorado State, I think really the sky's the limit for us. We have a lot to prove, obviously, because, I mean, the the other teams in conference have gotten you know some of the best of us, but at the same time, we've performed so well against teams like SDSU, obviously, Boise State. The Utah State series obviously was not good whatsoever, but just so many positives to this season and a season in which we weren't really expected to be in the spot once again for the second year in a row. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wish we had that San Jose State game, which would have been yesterday. It's kind of like a get right, kind of a get right game. I I know it would have been just the way the schedule has been compacted over these last final 10 days I'm mean, Nevada would have had two games in the Mountain West tournament next week but but I think this team could have handled it and it's going from Utah State having a rough series to Colorado State it's, it's not going to be easy it's not going to get any easier no you're absolutely right it's going to be a gauntlet but once everything settles and we know who plays who I can't wait to get into it yeah yeah I'm, I'm trying to find a path I mean Nevada in the 4-5 game I believe they'd have to play the winner of um, they likely have to play San Diego State in that following game in the semifinals and then um, the winner of the 2-3 game. If I, I if I have that right, I think I have that right. I probably don't, but I think I have that right. Um, and so Nevada's going to have to go through three, potentially three of these. T- if Nevada wants to win the Mountain West tournament or at least make the Mountain West title, they're going to have to go through at least one of these top four teams, obviously with the 4-5 game, and then potentially San Diego State, this top seed, who's absolutely on a roll. And then either Colorado State or Utah State, like, the likelihood would be Colorado State and Utah State. Gosh. That's that is top, so if, tough. If Nevada wants to win, they'll likely have to have – they'll likely have to – there's going to have to be an upset somewhere. Definitely. Yeah, you're going to have to have some conference foes beat up on one another, and that's always possible in the tournament. So for sure. For you never sure. know. All bets off. But if it were the favorites, they're favorites for a reason. Or no, I'm saying if they were, if we were playing like, if we were going to go through the favorites and like who went between the favorites, Nevada would have to beat three top four teams in order to win the Mountain West title. Nevada, there's going to have to be an upset somewhere, I would say, and I don't mean upset and like, oh yeah, the three seed beats the two seed. I'm talking about like uh, an eleven seed beating the three seed or something like something of to that kind of magnitude or at least close to it. And I don't mean, I also don't mean Nevada being the five seed, beating the 
beating the ones. I mean, obviously Nevada's going to have to do that, but an upset that doesn't involve Nevada in it is going to have to happen in all likelihood for Nevada to win the Mountain West title. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. It's going to be a lot. Okay, so I just pulled up the Mountain West tournament bracket just for reference here. So the 8-9 seed, the winner of that would face the 1 seed. The winner of the 1 seed versus the 8-9 would face either Nevada or the 4 seed, which would be, as of right now, Boise State. And then at the bottom of the bracket, the 7-10 seed would face the 2 seed. And then the winner of the 6-11 seed would face the 3 seed. (laughs) I mean, do you think there's going to be another Wyoming like last year where it was like, yeah, the 11 seed is just going to win the first two games? I would love to see that. We're going to need it if it's going to work in our favor. Yeah, so like either a 7 seed being a 2 seed or something or a 6 seed being a 3 seed, kind of like that level of upset Yeah, would benefit Nevada greatly if Nevada were to advance in these games. If Nevada loses to Boise State, then this conversation doesn't matter at yep. all. No, no, you got to take season, care of business when you're Nevada season's likely over, but if there's one, if Nevada can advance and if one of these things happen, there's a much higher likelihood um, in theory that Nevada can win the Mountain West title. And do you think Nevada can even make a tournament at all? Like, okay, let's transition it would, that. It would be possible. A postseason tournament. I'm going to put the odds at, you know, 5, 4 or 5% just going in with it. I think the only way we'd get recognition is if we go through the gauntlet and beating, just, you know, going through the top three teams and the best, very best of the best teams in the conference on our end and not having upsets work in our favor and certain things like that. I think that is really the only way. I disagree in the fact that I think Nevada's only chance of making a tournament is if they win the Mountain West tournament. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I think meant just going through like m- making it to the championship game. No, no, no. Because if Nevada the wins thing. the if Nevada wins the Mountain West tournament, they're obviously making the NCAA tournament as an automatic bid. Yeah, that's... but if Nevada, even if they get to it, I don't know. Even if they get to it, I think uh, for us to even get con- that's what I was trying to say. For us to even get the consideration, let's say if we lose in the championship game, I think the only way it would even be remotely considered is if we went through teams, you know, like an SDSU, Utah State, Boise State, just to get to the championship in that matter or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was announced earlier this week that the NIT, a 16-team tournament, which is usually 32 teams, they're going to be playing in Fort Worth, Texas. So there's going to be 64 teams in the NCAA tournament, 16 teams in the NIT tournament or okay the 68 team team field in the NCAA tournament and then of course the um, the 16 team tournament in the NIT and then I don't even know if the CBI is still going to play it hasn't come out as of right now that they that they're not um, and then the CIT that tournament got canceled in early February so that's not going to be that's usually just for mid-major so is the CBI that those the CIT is not going to happen and so Nevada Having the NIT be 16 teams really kind of... That hurts. That hurts Nevada. Because, I mean, just think about it. Okay, let, let's let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Nevada beats Boise State. Those are two quad two victories. Those are Nevada's first two quad two victories this year, the, the second and third in all, the Alford era. Boise State kind of goes on this skid. And the other night, they, which is capped off by the other night, they lose to Fresno State, a quad four team. And so... That certainly doesn't help Nevada's chances at all for two reasons. One, that would probably end the bid or at least end an automatic bid for Boise State to make the NCAA tournament. Therefore, they would be the first four out. And let's say there's no cancellations in the NCAA tournament. That means Boise State would be the number one seed. That's just an, that, They'd be one of the 16 teams in the NIT tournament that probably wasn't expected to be in the NIT tournament a week or two ago. And so that's just another team that is ahead of Nevada in that regard and kind of like knocks Nevada back a little bit. I mean, of course, these things fluctuate with all 350-plus teams across the nation. And so there's, of course, teams that go in and out of the NIT and NCAA contention each week. 
But that's just one particular instance within the Mountain West where it kind of hurts Nevada because, I mean, Boise State a couple weeks ago was almost near lock to make the NCAA tournament. Um, I think, see, I looked at it this morning, CBS Sports, I think, has them as a force four out as of right now. Um, if they win the Mountain West tournament, then, of course, they automatically make it. San Diego State's a lock. Um, we'll, we'll go into the odds for everyone else in just a moment, but that hurts Nevada. And then the second reason it hurts Nevada is if you beat a quad two team or a high-level team, you'd want them to win the rest of the game, so that improves your own resume. San Diego State's, or Boise State's dropping right now. And yeah, it doesn't help us whatsoever. No, it doesn't help us for that reason, too, is it Boise State's resume it just keeps getting dwindled down and kind of diluting or depreciating a little bit. And so that doesn't obviously doesn't help Nevada's case because those are Nevada's best wins this season. And so it kind of hurts them from both angles in a sense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just... Not a lot's in our favor right now, and especially with the way Boise State's been playing. I mean, it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like they're, they're uh, like you said, their value is kind of depreciating as the season goes along too. And they're still a very good team, but in awesome. terms of like yeah. the, their resume or at least what their their body of work lately, it doesn't help Nevada at all. Nope, not whatsoever. So that sweep just kind of nullifies it in a lot of ways and makes it show it's less impressive in a way, and it hurts. It really does. Yeah, the, yeah, that loss against Fresno State really. Kind of killed Nevada. All right, we're going to do a new segment. What are the odds? What are the odds? I'm going to give Isaiah top five teams in the conference, including Nevada. Team rankings. Teamrankings.com has this bracketology page where they rank, where they give a percentage for each team making the NCAA tournament. Like, what are the, like, what's their percentage of making it? And so I'm going to give Isaiah the top five teams, and we're going to see what he's gonna guess i'm gonna add and we're gonna see what the percentages are for each team the first team is san diego state isaiah what do you think their odds are they're the top team in the conference again we talked about it they won the mountain west regular season title they are the 19th team 19th ranked team in the country i believe right now and so what are the odds do you think that they're making it as an at-larger winning the tournament 70 percent this says 93%. Wow. I can see why. <laughs> That's just a just a bid entirely. Mm-hmm. The next team I have is Boise State. Oh. <laughs> and or the is... next team I'm going to say is Boise State. Okay. Right? And this is taking into account the Fresno State loss, right? This yeah. is updated? Yeah. 55%? Nope. Lower. Oh, good. Okay, I'm happy about that. 45%? Lower. Wow. 30. No, higher than that. 35? About 38? 38, yep. Yeah. Wow. Wow, good. All right, the next team I have for you on this very arbitrarily ranked uh, list is Colorado State. 18%. Lower. Wow. Oh, no, no, no. 18? You said 18%? Higher. Higher? 22%? Higher. 25. Yep. 25%. I've seen them in a couple brackets. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, have... I can't remember what Lenardi said, but I believe CBS Sports had him as a 10 seed, if I can remember correctly. I mean, I want to say Lenardi had him as a 11, but I'm not sure. I mean, the I'm Mountain sure. West is full of some, you know, some capable opponents, as we've seen throughout the course of this year, and they really like to beat up on each other. And then Utah State. I'm going to go 75%. No, much lower. Much lower? That's just a bid, much lower. Yep. That's just a bid? Mm -hmm. 60. No, no, 40? Lower. Lower, 35. Lower. Wow, 30. Lower. 22. Higher. 27. 27? Wow. And then, last but not least, (laughs) the Nevada Wolfpack. Five? Lower. Oh, three. Yep. Beautiful. Woo! chance. There we go, baby. Some of the teams that are also 3%. VMI. Beautiful. Virginia Military Academy. Love that. <laughs> or the Virginia Military Institution. Um, Kentucky. Nevada has them. Nevada has as, <laughs> as big of an odds, according to the site, as the Kentucky Wildcats, who seemingly are a monstrosity and a powerhouse every year except this. Yeah. 
But we can just in our head hey. act like they're yeah. still hey, top Hey, we're tied with Kentucky, nation. boys. Let's get it. Portland State, Ugh. Rhode Island. Shout out Rhode Island. They're 10 and 14. Beautiful. Shout out Rhode <laughs> Island. <laughs> Arkansas State. Oh, uh, not the Arkansas, huh? Yeah, do you want to he, do yeah, we want to do our annual our daily yeah, must let's do shout our, out on the podcast. Yeah, or do our I don't think we did it last week after. We didn't, which was a shame. Yeah, man, they had a really good win against LSU um on Saturday and then I believe they beat South Carolina by like 30 points or at least close to 30 points. And that win over Alabama, they're just on a roll right now. Yeah, man, they're they're really good. This could be so, this could be one of the best teams, it's not the best team that must have has ever had. I hope I don't get – I hope my mentions don't blow up because of that. Uh, it's one of the best teams that he's ever had. I mean, I'd, you could say it's potentially the best just the way they're playing. Yeah. Would you say on paper the um, 2018-19 Nevada team's better? So that's our freshman – right? Did I get that? Yes. Yeah, that was, uh, that was our freshman year. That was the year 18, they had 19. Thurman. Thurman, Caroline. Jordan Brown, Martin Twins, Caroline, Trey, Trey Porter, Porter. – the whole shebang. Ooh. Nizray. Moses Moody, Connor Vanover. Ballers. JD Note. Kasha's got they're so good. Yeah, they they're got so a they got a couple. They got some studs, man. And it's the SEC. Like, I don't the SEC is better this year than at least it was last year. Um man. On paper, I'd probably say yes. But then again, like I'm not incredibly familiar like with Arkansas than I was with Nevada. Of course, I mean we were at the school uh, our freshman year, so we knew a decent amount about them working for the Sagebrush and going to games and such. I'm not super familiar with Arkansas's team compared to that. Um, but I have tuned into a bunch of their games and that, that team's a good team, man. Desi Sills. That's deep. It's a little deep this year yeah. too, which is not must like in a lot of ways. But I mean, no. Oh, Arkansas they have is... someone. They oh shoot, I forgot his name. They have someone from the uh, Mountain West who was a transfer. Oh really? Yeah. Must dip in his hands in that. For yeah, it was team? it was a New Mexico transfer from last year's team. Justin Smith. That's who it was. Justin Smith. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean that that team is really good. <laughs> oh wait, no, 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 not Justin Smith. Um. No, it was Vance Jackson. Oh, never. Mind. Vance Jackson. Okay. Yeah, Vance Jackson. I remember. I don't know why I thought Justin Smith. I know Justin Smith was the guy that we were also linked to in the transfer in the, in the transfer portal. Yeah, he was the in, guy from Indiana. My mistake. I don't think Vance Jackson's played a lot this year at all. Um, now he's only getting looking at. He's only getting twelve minutes a game. Justin Smith has been very good though. Jalen Tate, Desi Sills, Connor Vanover, Devontae Davis. Moses Moody, of course, who's going to be a draft prospect. As a freshman, he's been one of the best players in the SEC this year. Must getting use out of a freshman. Wow. Uh, didn't see that much in Nevada. I mean, I'm sorry. I. That's tough. Ouch. That's a tough Reds. <laughs> we praise Must so much on this podcast, but at least towards the end of his tenure, that wasn't the case. But that's what happens when you have the Martin Twins, Jordan Caroline, Trayshawn Thurman, and Dre Porter. Yeah. Jordan Brown. You know, just an all-American chilling. <laughs> I would love... On one, one of the of these, highest recruits in Nevada history. I would love on one of these podcasts, as some of the spring sports wrap up, we talk about former Wolfpack players because Jordan Brown would be, you know, just seeing how they're performing, Jordan Brown would be... Yeah, Jordan Brown's doing stuff at Arizona. I saw his numbers the other day. They aren't that impressive, but he's getting, he's logging some minutes. And Let me pull it up He just wanted the opportunity. I think it was like if I look if I remember correctly, it was like six point seven points and like or like five points Absolutely and six rebounds. Not. I'm looking at it right now. What is it? Nine and a half points with five rebounds a game, a block, point nine blocks and half steals. That was close. Kind of. I was in the vicinity. <laughs> not really, but no. I mean it's I mean, we won't, we want to talk about former pack players doing well. Josh Hall's having himself. Right. Josh Hall's nice having. Josh Hall's having an amazing season. Shout out Josh Hall. He's only played in twelve games, and he's only has nine points a game. But he's averaging seven and a half rebounds, two point two assists, and two steals a game. He's shooting 
Only 21.4% from deep, though. If he ups that, then he'll up his, of course, his points. But. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was Chris Murray who did a good feature on him um, earlier this week. No free ads, but go check that out. No, it was a solid read. Do you have anything more? Uh, do you have anything else to add, Isaiah? No. I mean, this podcast was stuffed. Yeah. Spring sports is always stuffed podcast. A lot of them going on. Yeah. No worries. It's the beauty of it. Oh, it's for sure. Are bad. For sure. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. Like and subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Thank you for listening. See you next week.